pushback against Shanghai's restrictions are getting more violent. Protests between residents and law enforcement have sparked authorities to ramp up the rules. Reports say those problems aren't limited to Chinese citizens in the global financial hub either. Foreigners living in the city are also dying at home. Trillions of dollars in intellectual property reported stolen after Chinese state-linked hackers attacked over 30 companies from the U.S., Europe and Asia. But the onslaught isn't over. And an American company is trying to revive traditional Chinese culture that was almost lost. But Beijing is trying to put a stop to it, even from an ocean away. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. More protests are popping up in Shanghai. The city has been under strict lockdown measures for over a month. Food shortages and lack of medical care have triggered anger among the city's 26 million population. On Saturday in Shanghai's Zhuanqiao area, a fight broke out between residents requesting food and people dressed in full-body personal protective equipment. Those wearing the white suits could be serving a number of different functions. Some of them may be volunteers distributing food, some may be policemen or soldiers brought in to enforce lockdown rules. Residents posted details about the conflict on social media. They say it all started when a young man and resident shouted at the law enforcement and workers from his home requesting food. His comments reportedly provoked them, prompting them to go upstairs to silence the man. That's when other residents stepped in. The issue developed to a fight, with residents on one side and law enforcement and pandemic workers on the other. During the tussle, some residents went downstairs and tried to rush out of the building's gate. That's as law enforcement tried to hold the door closed. After a brief struggle, the residents managed to get out. Many of them went up with the police officers, and violence broke out. Some of the officers were seen fleeing the scene, with residents chasing them down the street. Residents in other nearby buildings were heard egging on the scuffle, encouraging the freed residents to beat up the police and pandemic workers. The next day, local authorities issued an announcement. It stated that residents in the building had sufficient food at home suggesting there was no reason to protest. The announcement went on to say that those who led the protest were provoking trouble and had been detained. Authorities also urged other residents to cooperate with the local COVID-19 measures. More tragedies in Shanghai amid extended lockdown orders. One man was found dead at his Shanghai home earlier this month. His neighbor broke the news through China's Twitter equivalent Weibo adding that an eyewitness said when he died, he was all skin and bones. The deceased was a 58-year-old man living alone. He was last seen by his neighbor on April 12th, when the city's second food distribution began. But a week later, the man told his neighbor he couldn't get out of bed. His neighbor contacted the local neighborhood committee, hoping they could send someone to help. But no one came. He was never seen again until almost two weeks later when he was found dead leaning against his door. In the post on Weibo, his neighbor wrote just one visit from the neighborhood committee would have saved him. The post was immediately removed, seemingly censored by Chinese authorities.
more reports from Shanghai indicate Chinese citizens aren't the only ones struggling to cope under lockdown. So far, two confirmed deaths of foreigners living in the financial hub have come to light. A 40-year-old South Korean man was found dead at home in Shanghai. South Korea's biggest portal site, Naver.com, reported the news last week. The cause of his death is unknown. He's said to have had a heart condition. Last month, a 29-year-old woman from South Africa was also found dead at home in Shanghai. Her cause of death is unknown. According to a South African media outlet, the woman was an English teacher. She had worked in Shanghai since 2017. Since lockdown orders took effect, she had been working from home while keeping in contact with her family in South Africa. But one Sunday in mid-April, her family could no longer reach her. American cybersecurity firm Cyber Reason reported last Wednesday that Chinese state-linked hackers have been trying to steal data from over 30 manufacturing and technology companies. The aim is to expand China's economy. The targeted companies are based in the U.S., Europe and Asia. Cyber Reason CEO Lear Div told CBS News that the hackers target blueprints of fighter jets, helicopters and missiles. In pharmaceuticals, they steal intellectual property of drugs, including ones that treat diabetes and depression. The firm discovered the hacking activities last year, which might have started three years ago and are still in process. CBS News said that a Chinese state-backed hacking group called APT41 has stolen trillions of dollars in intellectual property from these companies. APT41 launched CCP-backed espionage activities and serves the regime's Made in China 2025 plan. It's an ambitious plan to beat the U.S. and make sure China dominates the world economy by 2025. Last year, the U.S. Justice Department charged four Chinese nationals associated with APD-41. They had hacked into computers to steal intellectual property and business data. FBI Director Christopher Wray said recently that China has a bigger hacking program than that of every other major nation combined. And their biggest target is, of course, the United States. Cyber Reason said that in the U.S., the loss caused by hacking is in the trillions, not billions, and that the real impact cannot be seen until five to ten years later. A New York-based company is trying to revive China's traditional culture on the world stage. But the Chinese Communist Party is trying to stop that from happening, this time in Mexico. Here's more. Beijing is trying to block an American company from performing shows in Mexico. The The arts troupe is called Shen Yun, a premier classical Chinese dance and music company. Shen Yun says its mission is to revive the 5,000 years of traditional Chinese culture through art. It's based in New York and tours around the world every year. But the Chinese regime is urging three Mexican cities to cancel the performance there. We were very concerned about the situation. Jenny Garcia is a local presenter for Shen Yun. She says the Chinese embassy has reached out to Mexican officials through email and letters. When I first read it, I couldn't believe what was going on. In a letter to the government of Curitaro, a city in central Mexico, the Chinese embassy said allowing the performance there could, quote, mislead Mexican people and undermine China's relationship with Mexico. 
The fact that the Chinese communist regime comes to Mexico and tells us what we can and can't do is a violation of our own sovereignty. Mexico is not a standalone case. Beijing has been trying to block Shenyun from performing in other countries and regions, like the U.S., Asia and Europe. The regime pressured theaters to not sign contracts with Shenyun. In some instances, it told theaters if they didn't cancel the show, that country's relationship with China would suffer. Shenyun presents what China would be like if communism did not exist and presents a show where they show you the dynasties and all that culture has been literally annihilated by the Chinese Communist Party. That culture was once almost lost. After the Communist Party took over China in 1949, it almost destroyed China's traditional culture through a series of political movements. Shen Yun says it's trying to bring this ancient culture to life on stage. The arts troupe has been performing in Mexico for seven years. We were supposed to have a show in 2020. But then the pandemic hit and the show was canceled. So many people preserved the tickets like for two years and they were really waiting for this moment to see the show. Shen Yun already kicked off its performances in Mexico last Friday. I was looking forward to it for more than two years because previously when they were going to perform, I was expecting the show. Unfortunately, the world stopped and we had to wait. So it is wonderful to return to the theaters, to the stages, to relive all this part that we were missing so much and with a show of this quality. As for other theaters that have come under pressure from Beijing, they are very uh, supportive of the show and they said all our support and we are really going to, to, to keep on uh, as we have planned to, to, host, to host the show. Shows in other Mexican cities are almost sold out. Other Shenyun troops are now touring in California and Paris. President Joe Biden will meet with South Korea's new president in two weeks as part of his first Asia trip since starting his term. South Korea is one of the U.S.'s most important strategic partners in the region. Issues on the table, threats from nuclear-armed North Korea, and beyond that, countering the Chinese Communist Party. We hear from former U.S. State Department ambassador to learn more. When South Korean president-elect Yoon Suk-yeol takes the helm this week, he's expected to reset the country's foreign policy. The quickest way to summarize the shift is two no's and one yes. Taking a break from the three no's policy of the current Moon administration, Yoon said he will be saying no to both North Korea and China while embracing the U.S. with a big yes. Having someone who would stand uh, together potentially, and maybe, frankly, it might be the U.S. side, it would make a big difference. Former ambassador-at-large Morse Tan served under the Trump administration. He says the shift will determine how South Korea will deal with its nuclear-armed northern neighbor and adds the only chance for progress is through a robust diplomacy. When that sort of approach was used previously, that had stopped the missile tests, that had uh, caused a return of the U.S. citizens who were being held captive, that brought home the remains of Korean War veterans. There were a number of different uh, positive results uh, that occurred. Uh, it changed the nature of the propaganda that North Korea was using. So uh, it's clear that that sort of approach uh, has more upside to it 
than a very passive approach, um, such as the former strategic patients, which was a fancy way of basically saying doing very little. The U.S. has been the largest deterrent to North Korean aggression. That says North Korean missile and nuclear development continued apace with the latest testing launched last Wednesday. The 14th known weapons test so far this year. Experts warn more launches may take place as Yoon takes office. And it's really China that has been the greatest support to uh, North Korea. Over 90 percent of the economic interactions uh, with the world are with China. And so in a lot of ways, it's China that has propped up this malignant regime um, that, is, uh, that has all these concentration camps that destroys its own people. Since the Korean War, China has often compared its relationship with North Korea to a Chinese saying, if the lips are gone, then the teeth will be cold. Today, China remains North Korea's largest supplier of imports and exports and helps the country obtain foreign currency despite it violating sanctions. China's interests in North Korea have been tied to negotiations with the U.S., though that doesn't mean Beijing is prepared for a direct clash. China has constantly stressed stability, 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 and they've even rebuked the North Korean leadership when they for destabilizing activities. And so I don't think China thinks it's ready for a direct confrontation with the United States. Now with Yoon bringing South Korea deeper into a U.S. embrace, can the president-elect still have his cake from China, South Korea's largest export market? Beijing appears to be watching closely. Coming up, how will South Korea's new pro-Washington outlook affect U.S.-China rivalry? How will China respond? Next, we take a deeper look at the issue with former Ambassador Morse Tan. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. South Korea's new president has signaled a plan aside with Washington and its competition with Beijing. As the world's top smartphone and semiconductor maker, how will South Korea's pro-Washington outlook affect the U.S.-China rivalry? And how will South Korea's top trading partner, China, react to its cozier relationship with the U.S.? Let's hear more from former Ambassador Tan. The days of South Korea balancing relations between a historic ally and a rising neighbor might be over. The country's new leader has signaled plans to get cozy with America and tough on China. But that might be harder than it sounds. You know, there's a lot of trade that happens between China and South Korea. China is by far the biggest destination for Korean goods. Approximately a quarter of South Korea's exports were sent to China last year. The U.S. plays second at 15 percent. The same imbalance appears in South Korean imports, too. I, I think that in a lot of ways, China has been engaging in a shadow conflict uh, with the United States short of open military uh, confrontation. President-elect Yoon Suk-yeol sees a strong alliance with the U.S. as the foundation for South Korea's foreign policy. As part of that plan, Yoon said he will now acquire the same U.S. anti-missile battery that sparked Beijing's anger back in 2017. It's called a THAAD anti-missile battery and falls under the no category of the current Moon administration's three-nose policy. 
Beijing retaliated that year, angered by the U.S. installation in South Korea. It imposed sanctions that included halting Chinese tours to the country, cutting off Korean investments and cultural exports, like games and dramas. Now, with President-elect Yoon planning to retake similar action, experts warn Yoon's administration could face more economic coercion from Beijing. But South Korea's economy isn't solely reliant on China. One of the country's biggest tech giants, Samsung, has topped the world's smartphone sales this year. South Korea is also a global leader in steel and semiconductor manufacturing. There's potential here in the semiconductor area where uh, Korea is already a significant player, but with the support of President Yoon, it could uh, be vaulted to an even higher level. Tan says that might give the U.S. an upper hand in its competition with China, especially in times of conflict. And so for Korea to be an alternate source uh, would be important. If China makes a move on Taiwan, companies like Taiwan Semiconductor and things like that, if that were to fall under Chinese Communist Party control, then that would strengthen its grip worldwide along these lines. And the Chinese Communist Party, make no mistake, has worldwide ambitions with the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, trying to displace the U.S. as the lone superpower in the world. And so um, these are important industries with major implications. Tan adds that strengthening South Korean companies under the president-elect could serve as a counterweight to China's industry dominance. On the other hand, Chinese leaders may be getting nervous about the situation. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping called the South Korean president-elect and stressed the two countries are inseparable partners. The phone call marked the first time Xi had spoken to an incoming overseas leader before taking office. The election for Hong Kong's next leader took place on Sunday, and the city's former security chief won by a landslide with more than 99 percent of the vote. But was he really that popular? And what can we expect from the Beijing-backed candidate? NTD's Cheney Wu has the story. An election committee on Sunday voted in a secret ballot for Hong Kong's next chief executive. And it comes as no surprise that former security chief John Lee was elected, especially since he was the only candidate. The election follows major changes last year to Hong Kong's electoral laws that ensure only so-called patriots to Beijing can hold office. The European Union called the election another step in the dismantling of the one country, two systems principle. In response to critics, China's foreign ministry said the election was conducted in a fair, just and orderly manner in accordance with laws and regulations, adding that it proves that the new electoral system is a good system. So what can we expect from Hong Kong's next leader? Back in 2019, Li led the crackdown on the city's massive pro-democracy protests while serving as security minister. Under Li, police unleashed a heavy response, including mass arrests and using brutal methods such as tear gas and rubber bullets against protesters. He was also a key figure in pushing for a proposed extradition bill that would have sent Hong Kong suspects to mainland China, where courts operate under the ruling Communist Party. 
Lee will replace current leader Carrie Lam on July 1st. Her five-year term was marked by pro-democracy protests calling for her resignation, a security crackdown that suppressed all dissent, and the recent COVID-19 wave that overwhelmed the health system, events that have undermined Hong Kong's reputation as an international business hub with Western-style freedoms. Former legislative counselor Ted Hui worked with Li in the past. He predicts that Beijing's endorsement of Li signals the central government is looking for someone reliable to ensure that its authority in Hong Kong is never questioned again. He seldom spoke. And, and when, whenever he spoke, he was just read from the script. He doesn't have a character of uh, his own. Wei says Beijing doesn't want a capable leader, but one that does its bidding. Beijing only wants uh, someone who is uh, extremely loyal and extremely good at executing orders. Hui says he expects more human rights abuses, brutal crackdowns and severe laws to come under the new leadership. Under the new electoral rules, Li was the only candidate who received backing by Beijing. Several people, including a movie producer, had expressed interest in running but didn't submit their names during the nomination process. Chen Wu, NTD News. The Chinese regime seems to be taking censorship to a whole new level, and the target this time, foreign technologies. According to Bloomberg on Friday, Chinese leaders have ordered government agencies and state-backed firms to replace foreign computers with domestic alternatives like Lenovo. The campaign could kick out at least 50 million foreign-made personal computers from China in the next two years. Beijing has been seeking to reduce its dependence on geopolitical rivals such as the U.S. for technologies. This is especially after the U.S. sanctioned Chinese companies like Huawei, hammering local firms and businesses. According to Bloomberg sources, the new initiative is likely to cover only personal computer brands and software. It's not likely to cover hard-to-replace components like microchips. China will mostly replace Microsoft's Windows and encourage Linux-based operating systems. Chinese state-owned media and cybersecurity bodies may continue to buy advanced foreign equipment under special permits, but the permit system could be tightened in the future. Beijing kicked off a fresh round of mass COVID-19 testing on Saturday. It spanned through five different districts, including the largest of the five, named Chaoyang. That area is home to embassies and many large offices. Alongside the wave of tests, the city also banned indoor dining at restaurants and shut down more than 60 subway stations. That's about 15 percent of Beijing's train network. Meanwhile, in China's financial hub, Shanghai's COVID-19 cases have fallen for eight days straight. That's according to official figures. But for the most part, residents say they are still under orders to stay inside their housing compounds. Authorities have also indicated that a full easing is still far off, reiterating China's zero-COVID-19 policy. Underscoring that expectation, Shanghai officials postponed the city's university entrance exam on Saturday. The new date is set for early July. The move marks the exam's first delay since 2020, when the virus initially broke out in Wuhan. Shanghai is also in the process of building thousands of permanent PCR testing stations in line with other cities. That's as China looks to make regular testing a feature of everyday life. 
China's Auto Association estimates that sales in April dropped nearly 50% year-on-year as China's zero-COVID policy shut down factories. This is the steepest decline in sales for the world's largest auto market since February 2020 and the latest sign of the economic costs of China's zero-COVID policy. A survey by an association of China's auto dealers showed that car showrooms in 34 cities had been shut down in April, most for more than a week. Japanese financial holdings company Numura estimated in mid-April that 45 cities, representing 40 percent of China's GDP, were under full or partial lockdowns. During the current round of the virus outbreak in Shanghai, Tesla had to suspend its factory operation for weeks, following authorities' instructions. The company hopes to resume to pre-pandemic levels by May 16th. Before Chinese authorities put Shanghai under lockdown at the end of March, sales of electric cars had been surging. In the first three months of this year, Tesla sold 56 percent more electric cars, and one of its Chinese rivals, BYD, raised its sales by five times. The disruption to Tesla's plant has been one of the highest profile consequences of China's latest lockdowns. Meanwhile, a survey showed that Japanese companies are still struggling to reopen their factories in Shanghai. Local authorities pushed to help key businesses back to work may be facing some problems. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. Presenting the heritage of traditional Chinese martial arts, promoting martial ethics and reviving the true tradition. The 2022 NTD International Traditional Chinese Martial Arts Competition Preliminaries will be held in New York and Taiwan. On August 28th, the finals will be broadcast live online worldwide. Registration hotline 188-477-9228. For more information, please visit martialarts.ntdtv.com.